Ladies and gentlemen, today is the 25th of December, which means that my dinner tonight is Chinese food. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, we haven't found we haven't found about you guys. <laughs> we haven't found great Chinese food here in Savannah. If you know some, pass it along. But but this is the one time we we always make sure we get it. Um, Typically, we've been going to hop zing over uh, at McAlpin Plaza, but but if you know of a, a of a place that's actually good, not just a little bit better, you know, then then we are all ears. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Kelvin. How you doing today? I am doing awesome. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic! <laughs> today by Audible. Get your free audiobook, your free month at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash jkwd. That's audibletrial.com slash jkwd. We talked today a couple of times about the five-second rule by Mel Robbins. I know we've brought that up in the past recently, but it comes up in our conversation with Camille Nisich today. And so we thought, you know, that's a possibility for your free audiobook. If you'd like to head over to audibletrial.com slash JKWD and claim that when you sign up. <sighs> so, Kelvin. Yes, sir. We, uh, we just finished with, with Camille, even though this is the beginning of the episode that people are hearing now. And uh, this is a great conversation. How are you doing after, after that? I'm liking that. I've I've come to the. Uh, she was awesome, and she didn't run out of information. I kept thinking, you know, we're gonna run her to the edge of her of her competence here, but no, 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 no. The knowledge overfloweth, and she's got a good sense of humor, and she let me know, as we've always known, I am an anomaly on a number of levels, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, some of which will show up in the in the podcast. Yeah, we actually got confirmation on that that Kelvin is weird. We got it from direct from an expert. From an expert, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm either gonna have to uh, syndicate my weirdness or reform. Eh. <laughs> Six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I'm thinking. All right. Well, Camille, this is just our guest today. She's an MBA with over 17 years experience in the tech industry. She's a certified stress management and sleep science coach, a wellness educator, a registered yoga teacher, something we didn't talk about, by the way, and the creator of Daily Mind Gym. Now, Camille, you know, like a lot of a lot of folks who enter the entrepreneur space uh, started with the four hour work week and said, hey, I can do this. And uh and she is. Uh, we talk. Uh, we talk today about sleep, and uh, I don't know. We can. It's importance to our existence. And yeah, it really is. It really is. And she she chastises both of us for our sleep sins, and uh, gives us tips for better sleep, and tells you how to determine your your own unique amount of sleep that you should have uh ideally ideal that's the word i was looking for 
It's Christmas. What do you want? You can't yeah. what do you expect. What I wrote down was find out how much sleep you actually need. Uh-huh. And that does not have I that does not say the word ideal quantity. Or or it. could be unique. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which apparently I am also. <laughs> but listen all the way to the end of the episode. Uh Camille tells you how you can get a free sleep assessment and all that stuff. And um Without further ado, meet Camille. Welcome to the JKWD podcast. Thank you, Camille, for being here. Um, so because you are so much better at it than I am, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and let them know who you are and what you do? Well, thanks so much for having me, Josh and Kelvin. It's a pleasure to be here and an honor. My name is Camille Nisich, and I am a sleep and stress coach who is passionate about helping working parents live a life with less stress and more joy. And I've been doing that for a handful of years. I also have um, a corporate day job where I work in online marketing. So wear many hats, but have my mission in life. So, yeah. Great. So how did you get into the stress space? You know, it's funny. It dates back to some, you know, as many of us in our stories, it's something that you came through yourself. And then later you started to kind of put the pieces together. But I had some early deaths in my family when I was young. I had a brother die when I was 12. I had my mother pass away when I was 16. And I basically taught myself to meditate without knowing what meditation was. And so I just kind of would take myself to this internal space and either do visualization or just breathe. And just when when the chaos was going on around me, I would just kind of go inward. And that's kind of how I I like to say that I use that to not only cope, but also to excel. So like when things would get intense with school or whatever, I would just use that as a way to kind of reset myself um, and and go forward. And it wasn't until really I had been doing it a few years that I even knew that there was a thing about meditation and mindfulness, right? So then fast forward, as I started to kind of get into the corporate world myself, and I started to see the people around me, you know, with high stress and think about, you know, being an adult and thinking back to what might have caused my mother's death. You know, she had complications of high blood pressure and diabetes. She died when she was 49 years old. Like that really should not happen. And so I started to think, well, what kind of caused that? Like why? And oh, by the way, when I look around me and I see these people that I work with that are super stressed out and it kind of just came to me one day that, you know what, the key to all of this must be stress. And then when you talk about stress, you cannot exclude sleep. And so I got really passionate about, well, let me just dig into that a little bit more, get some education, but then also kind of take my life experiences and, and put that all together. So, yeah. Sleep. So, what, yeah. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are good sleepers. We're going to have <laughs> well, well, maybe, maybe we should, well, well, maybe, maybe we should put you on the spot then and put us on the spot. Um, okay. And let, let's confess our sleep sins. Um, so I have a I have a day job as well. It's actually a night job. Yeah, I work 
uh, you know, weekends, my, my shift is kind of variable. You know, I might finish by 6 p.m. or 10 p.m., but during the week, my shift ends about 2 a.m., 3 a.m., oh. um, and I'm on the computer. Um, so I use blue blockers, and normally what I do is I do a biphasic. Um, so I'll sleep. Yeah, I'll go to bed basically right after work within 10 to 15 minutes. I usually fall asleep well. Um, I set an alarm if I have something going on that I know I have to be up for, but normally don't wake to it. I, you know, normally I'm up before it anyway. That typically my body says at about five hours, time to get up and start your day. And then I block off another three hours in the afternoon for sleep. So before I go into work, I get another three hours. So I total about seven to nine a day um, in two distinct sleep sessions. Right. Um, I wouldn't say it's ideal, obviously, but it sounds like you have to build your world kind of around your schedule, which, which makes sense. When you are air courts, a shift worker, or you're someone who works at night, you have to work extra hard to make sure that you are, so the blue blockers are helpful. I'm concerned about that whole five hour block in the middle there. When you say your body tells you it's time to wake up, I feel like it might be cues around you that tell you it's time to wake up, but not necessarily your body. So could it be light? Could it be other people that you live with? You know, whatever. I'm not sure. But I feel like there's some environmental cues, not necessarily your body. That it could, could be the light. My wife is usually gone by the time I wake up. So um, apparently I haven't woken up when she leaves. Um, <laughs> I would imagine if you went to bed two-ish. Um, <laughs> the other piece of it is that, you know, you need to be diligent about managing your circadian rhythm. So mm -hmm. basically the circadian rhythm is your cycle of sleep, sleepless, sleepiness and wakefulness, right? And usually if you're on a day job scenario, it goes with the sun, right? But since you're working at night, you need to now mimic that, right? So that your body has those cues of, oh, okay, this type of light means that I'm supposed to be awake. This other type of light means that I'm supposed to be asleep or getting sleepy because you kind of go through that process of getting sleepy mm -hmm. and going to sleep. You know, getting the biphasic in terms of getting yourself enough of sleep, that's, that sounds like a solution that you're working towards. If for some reason, though, you can still sleep continuously, if you would adjust maybe the light or those other cues, that would be better to get it continuous because if you're breaking it up in those two phases, you're not getting as many opportunities for REM, mm -hmm. which means you're not getting things like brain cleaning, energy restoration. Depending on how deep you're getting, it might be impairing immune function. It, it varies. So really continuously having your block would be best. Hmm. Really? Biphasic. <laughs> Say that. What? What is? I mean, it sounds like it should be self-explanatory, but let's not let's not take that for granted because sometimes you know, I use it to mean I, that I, I sleep in two distinct sessions. Oh, is that it? So that oh, yeah, that's that, easy. That's it. And they're not next to each other. Right. <laughs> right. They're interrupted. <clears throat> But um, but there's really, you know, there's usually about a five or six hour separation and I get up and I get some exercise and I have something to eat. And if we have a call like this, then um, then I do that. If I have any if we have any household chores that need doing, if I need to run to the grocery store, that all happens in that time. And then I go back to sleep from about one, one thirty till about four, four thirty in the afternoon. Um, and I do that 
in as close to a dark room as I can get. Um, and I can get it pretty dark. Um, there's a covered porch and then I have, um, green felt curtains and, uh, and blinds. So, so it's fairly dark in there. And, uh, and then I, you know, I get up and make sure there's dinner. Yeah. Well, it's good that you're getting the darkness for that second phase. So that's good. Um, but you know, again, you want to make sure, so there's four, it used to be five sleep cycles. Now they took one out, (laughs) but basically (laughs) you've got your kind of early sleep where you're kind of awake, but still sleeping. And then as you go into those deeper phases, you want to make sure you're hitting the deep phase and you're hitting rim. And you're going to have about in a, in a seven to eight hour night, you would have about four REM cycles. But if you're having those interruptions, you may not be getting to enough REM. So let's say in your first block, you maybe you're getting two cycles, maybe because um, a sleep cycle is generally 90 to 110, 120 minutes, depending okay. age, different other factors. Um, so you're probably getting two cycles in that first block in your second block of sleep you might get one, but again, you're not getting a total of four to five, which is on average, what you'd like to have. So that, you know, it's concerning basically. Well, you're really going to love my system. Oh gosh. Here we go. <laughs> my system is I go till I stop, I lay down, I go to sleep immediately. And four hours later, oh. give or take 30 minutes, I wake up. Oh, <laughs> I'm not tired. If I if I go if I if I actually manage to get eight hours sleep, uh, well, that never happens in a block. First of all, number two, if I actually stay in bed that long, I will be exhausted when I wake up. Four hours is like, and that's what my body does. Whether it's light, whether it's dark, whether it's whatever. At four hours, my body's like, okay, time to get up. And I go like, oh, I don't want to. And it's like, well, so <laughs> there are <laughs> you're awake now differences with with sleep need definitely and i don't know your age because we're not that well would you like to know if you'd like to share your age i'm 64 years old okay so that is relatively normal for your age group um so old people don't sleep i've been doing that for like lots of years now oh that part is bad (laughs) because there's a cumulative effect Mm -hmm. to that reduction in REM sleep for example if you have impaired sleep, if you have any type of insomnia, if you have situations, be it lifestyle factors that are keeping you from getting enough REM, you're opening yourself up to chronic illnesses, Alzheimer's, all sorts of things. Because during REM sleep mm-hmm. is when your brain cleans itself. Mm-hmm. So your brain is really active. Your body is not. It's basically paralyzed. But that's when things like brain like memory integration and brain cleaning and all sorts of higher level brain function are happening. And if you're not getting into that enough, then you're kind of impairing it. And if you've been, you've been in that situation for many, many years, then there's, like I said, there's a cumulative effect. Um, When it will show up, it's hard to know, but yeah. I'm I'm probably the healthiest person I know. I'm the only person in my family who was on no No meds, no, none of that stuff. Yeah. There are, um, I'm curious if you ever were a sleeper who was like a six and a half hour sleeper, were you ever a sleeper in that range? There's a very small portion of the population. I mean, literally less than 5% who are people who can get well rested between five and a half and six and a half hours of sleep. A lot of people say, Oh yeah, I'm one of those people, but truly, truly it's literally three to 4% of the population and everyone else who's sleeping at that is because there's some lifestyle factor or some stressor or whatever that's 
causing them to sleep that amount amount and they think that they're functioning well (laughs) i think we got divorced the last time there's there's not you know got rid of the wife and the cats and we hadn't had a problem with that for a long time um i let me see i'm trying to let me let me think if there's any outliers here um because really i mean once i actually get tired i go to sleep and when i when i go to bed and i lay down to go to sleep i go to sleep so that was the next question i was gonna ask big pardon that was the question I was going to ask. You go to sleep quickly. I go to sleep. Gone. Um, under under 10 minutes. I used to put on music to soothe me, and, and I never would hear it go off, you know, in 10 minutes. So when I lay down and go to sleep, um, 90% of the time, I'm asleep. And then when I wake up, I wake up. Now, what messes me up, that's if I let myself wake up naturally. So if I end up going to bed at 4 o'clock, for instance, I will wake up at 8. If I end up going at three, I'll end up up at, at seven. I'll wake up at seven. If I end up going to bed at four o'clock and I have a seven o'clock meeting and I wake myself up, it's that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That doesn't do me anything at all. But what I do in those cases normally is get another nap in the afternoon, but those rarely last more than an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, so, when you're having so you you touched on a really important point there that when you're normally a four hour sleeper but when you hit that three hours you feel awful well what happens is if you get your sleep interrupted before you complete a cycle you're gonna feel awful which is why if you lay down knowing you've got a defined amount of time if you really really want to try to maximize your sleep you want to think about how many cycles you're going to get in and then cut that window so let's just say you had five hours to sleep but you know that you wouldn't get your full cycle in well then cut it down to four let's say uh, as an example because like roughly it sounds like you're a two-hour cycle person um so then you would want to cut it down so you wouldn't want to add that extra hour on because you're going to feel groggy and awful getting that extra hour more than you would if you stayed okay, at so, four hours. So i don't know un- well i've heard about the cycles but i don't understand them so much but i, t- I read a book um recently uh, mel robbins five mm-hmm. second five second rule, rule. Mm-hmm. yeah and she was talking about because uh, she's all into the neuroscience and stuff, which which you are also uh, obviously. But uh, her she was talking about the snooze button. Oh, it's awful. So, like if you wake up, <laughs> you wake up, and then you go, oh, just ten more minutes. Let me hit the snooze button. And she said that's bad for you because you end up going back to sleep and starting another sleep cycle, and that's that's worse for you than anything else you can do. So true, and it's funny because I have. I literally don't even know how to operate the snooze alarm on my alarm clock. And I've never, ever been a snooze alarm. Like when I hear the alarm, I get up. Oftentimes I wake up before it. My husband is a snooze alarm. And so we have obviously two separate alarm clocks. Does his alarm clock wake you up? That's a big Of course. Yeah. But usually, usually I am up before him because I'm an early to bed, early to riser. And so mm-hmm. typically I'm getting up before he so luckily I don't have so to get How much sleep a night do you get? I'm a seven hour sleeper. Occasionally I might need a little bit more, but let me tell you a little bit about figuring out how much sleep you actually need. So the best way Ooh, to figure sweet. out <laughs> how much sleep you need is to have a three, ideally four, but at least a three day stretch where you can go to sleep at the time you know you should go to sleep, not the time you normally go to sleep, but the time you should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if, so Josh, in your case, if you know you've the got your should. Schedule, Tell me should. meaning, well, we'll come back to that. Okay. But you know that yours is work, work schedule dependent. So your should is, is related to your work schedule. So you're going to lay down at that time. 
you're going to have a stretch of three days where you do not have to wake up with an alarm clock. So ideally around the holidays or whatever is a good time to do that. And then for three straight days, you're going to lay down at that time that you should lay down and you're going to wake up naturally and you're going to record how much time that was. And when you take the average of those, that is your sleep need. And everyone's sleep need is unique. So this whole everyone, every adult needs to get eight hours is a total myth. Like I said, there's a very small percentage of the population that does well in the five and a half to six and a half hour range. It's very, very small. On average, it's somewhere between seven and eight hours, but it changes, like I said, with age. You know, teenagers need more. When you kind of hit those, you know, kind of 30 to 50-ish range, it may range between seven and nine on average for people. And then it typically goes down as you get, you know, kind of in the 60s and above. So I'm in the hopeless. So, pretty soon I don't have to sleep at all. You're not in the hopeless. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, pretty soon I don't even have to sleep at all. No. It, it never goes to zero. <laughs> <laughs> so do you use, um, do, do you use, you know, Fitbit's got this thing where supposedly it, it measures whether or not you're sleeping well or something. Is that like, marketing hype or is that real <clears throat> excuse me i will say that no i don't i have not done a ton of research on those but personally i have issues with having emf on your body mm. all the time okay. <laughs> i feel like that's just bad for energy all right and energy transfer and any ret energy retention etc so i personally am not a fan of wearable technology Having said that, no, have, I haven't done the research. I'm not certain. I feel like for years and years, just a sleep log, if that's something that you wanted to keep track of, worked great. And now all of a sudden, you know, there's technology to do it. Um, it is, I think it's probably helpful for people who suspect that they're either restless or what have you, and they just, they don't know. They just know that they wake up and they don't feel good. Mm -hmm. It might be useful from that standpoint, but do you need to be monitoring all the time? I feel like a log would be sufficient. And um, yeah, there's things that you can do to kind of put yourself into a better sleep hygiene or environment that can help you get better sleep so that you don't necessarily need the technology, right? So let's let's back up a little bit because what we what we haven't talked about yet is the benefits of of proper sleep of you know on stress on productivity on whatever else mm -hmm. what are what are some of those benefits So you know it varies by age group you know obviously we all know when you're a child it's everything from growth to development of motor function to you know mostly it's all types of growth, right? Immune support, but it's really the same for adults. And so it's like, we know that with respect to kids or when we were a kid and your parents would tell you, Oh, you got to get your sleep, whatever. Well, that was all true. <laughs> and so it's everything from good decision-making and that might be, you know, cognitive function in terms of, you know, complex reasoning. It could be food choices. Um, so it could be driving. I mean, I actually read a post of someone, you know, the other day who was talking about how she'd been on two hours of sleep for the past week and a half. She was air quotes done. And I thought, not only are you done, I hope you don't live in my geography because you should not be driving a motor vehicle when I'm driving around you. Like that, you should not be operating a motor vehicle. So, you know, it's, it's high processing functions of your brain get dramatically repaired if you don't sleep. Um, immune, immune function. I mean, 
100% if you are sleeping well, you have better immune function. Um, that's why when you're not sleep, you're not well, you should go to sleep because that's where the, the repair happens, right? And so even with people who are athletically inclined and they think, oh, you know, I need to, you know, hit the gym and I need to do, you know, um, periodization of my workout and whatever. And I'm thinking, but are you sleeping? Because muscle growth actually happens while you're asleep, not while you're in the gym. Right. So it's really important for literally every vital function of your body. I mean, everything. Hmm. Blood pressure. Um, you know, oftentimes what happens is there are like, you know, we see a lot of, you know, cognitive disorders and depression and anxiety and whatever. On average, about half of those diagnosed cases have some sort of sleep issue with them, be it a sleep disorder, like in the insomnia realm apnea, what have you. So there's a definite um, relationship between brain function and sleep. Okay. You were just talking about, well, you mentioned Alzheimer's earlier mm-hmm. um, as a function of, uh, you know, not enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard that from the medical community. They talk about different drugs and mostly they talk about different drugs causing it and uh, mm-hmm. deficiencies causing it. Uh, what give us give us more about your take on Alzheimer's and and yeah so there's a lot of research and you know again we're still digging into it but there's quite a lot of research around diff plaques building up and like kind of like it spells the same as like plaque on your teeth but it's you know different plaques and so if you don't like I said when you're in REM a brain cleaning process happens where you know the brain literally says let's take all these defective cells that you know have you know been created by day and I'm gonna clean them out and I'm gonna you know just get rid of them they're gonna die but if you don't get into that REM that process doesn't happen and so over time those plaques build up and typically it takes 20 to 30 years or so for you to really see that plaque production reach a level that is significant but that's because you're you know other factors but sleep poor sleep over that time period is really going to dramatically increase it and one of them is oh, i don't know if any either of you follow sports but pet head summit she was like mm-hmm. world famous basketball women's basketball coach she died of alzheimer's at a very early age high level comes like that you know they're burning the candle from both ends they're traveling travel definitely impacts your sleep right unless you take precautions um so it's travel it's staying up you know it's all of those demands on your time it's planning for the game i mean like coaches in general don't high level coaches do not sleep well and i think about the fact that also women are typically um more susceptible to having insomnia and so she was a woman she's got this high stress job she's not sleeping well and and yeah i mean this brilliant mind and person who is contributing to society gone too early because of she was a really fast decline if i remember yes it was just all of a sudden pat summit's sick all of a sudden pat summit's dead and yes Mm -hmm. so yeah so you know there's different research on the relationship between the plaques and the onset of alzheimer's and so again if you if you want to protect your brain one of the best things that you can do is to make sure you're getting what I call restored sleep because not all sleep is created equally. Like you can be asleep and it not be good sleep, right? We all know that. We've all been there. We got got a buzz in the middle of one of your things. Uh Did you say we should get? Oh, I said restorative. 
restorative. So because not all sleep is created equally. So you can have sleep, but it not be good sleep, it not be deep sleep, right? So yeah. So for example, in the case of um, people who have alcohol regularly, um, alcohol is going to let you fall asleep, but it's not going to let you get as deep asleep, right? Depending on how much you have, right? If you're kind of over consuming. Um, so repeatedly doing that means that you're staying in those earlier sleep stages, you're not getting into REM, you're not getting into the place where immune function is being restored, etc. So, you know, you just kind of want to think about whether your sleep is actually restorative. Yeah, so that was, yeah, you brought up alcohol and that, that kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to get into um, nutrition and, and um, substance intake a little bit. Um, you know, how can yeah, I mean, alcohol is a common uh, substance that we use in the society. Caffeine is a substance that we use a lot in society. We're all sitting here sipping out of mugs. Um, and you know, the the typical American diet, we'll call it, is not um, is not meant for optimal health. We'll say it that way. Uh, how can how can what you put in your body affect your sleep? And and how how quickly can you turn that around with with changes? Yeah, so let's let's talk about coffee first. Okay. <laughs> so coffee is one you're right. Socially, culturally, we are big coffee drinker. I'm a coffee drinker. I actually happen to be having decaf herbal tea right now because I'm I'm doing a fast and I'm having no caffeine and no solid foods for four days for the winter solstice. But that's a whole oh, other conversation. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about coffee. I love coffee. Do not no judgment there. But coffee has a half-life of about seven hours. Again, it varies by height, weight, gender, etc. It actually affects women a little bit more than men because of the en enzyme differences in their bodies. But the seven-hour half-life means that if you're drinking coffee, and that's half-life, right? That means half of it is still going to be in your system at about seven hours. So if you're drinking coffee in the afternoon, it's going to still be circulating in your system and, and affecting your sleep when you go lay down if you're on a regular sleep schedule. So I, for example, I have a blog post actually that's called why I have a coffee curfew and maybe you should too. I don't drink caffeine afternoon, like literally just like, I just don't do it every once in a while. I grew up in the South. I happen to live in upstate New York now. Um, when I go to the South, I'll have a sweet tea with dinner as kind of like a treat. And I know that I will not sleep that night. I will not sleep well. I'll be in that early phase of sleep. It'll, it'll take me a while to kind of fall asleep. I know that going in though. Right. But yeah, so caffeine is a big one and having a coffee curfew or a caffeine curfew is a really good idea. Um, she and gonna like what I have to say. <laughs> and what hour are you drinking coffee, Kelvin? Please tell me. And ask him how much. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> coffee does not affect my sleep. You can build up a tolerance to it, but I wouldn't say it doesn't affect your sleep. Uh, but anyway, tell me tell me how much you, how much you drink. Oh, minimally a pot a day. A 12-cup pot? Yeah, and probably more. I drink coffee a lot. I can drink coffee before I go to bed, and, and I still go to bed and I go to sleep. Yeah, you fall asleep. We didn't talk about that, but let me come back to the falling asleep part. But, yes, you fall asleep, but that doesn't mean it doesn't affect your sleep, right? So there might be some, some, excuse me, some issues with restoration there. But, again, 
thinking about how you feel when you wake up, but you probably over years have built up some level of tolerance and that's why I'd, I'd say. Not, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I plan to go to 9095. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, if I'm doing, hold on. <clears throat> If I'm doing something and, and uh, you know, at about, you know, 87 and a half, it's going to say, all right, we're tired of you doing this to us all this time. Just forget it. Bam. You know, okay. I need to know if it's going to sneak up on me. But, the I mean, the things that I see, like, don't don't affect me in a way that that I notice. I'll put it like that. Okay. Right. So if I stop if I stop drinking coffee, uh, I mean I had more trouble drinking like a lot of water because I really got up a lot at night for that. But um, but I don't I don't see the problem. I'm I'm alert. I'm I think am I alert, Josh? Most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. typically very alert. <laughs> you know so but but by the same token you know i'm aware that, that there's things that that i may be doing that i just don't see and this right you know, absolutely speak up over here and all of a sudden I'm gonna go to pounce and then suddenly i won't be able to remember my name don't plan for those to happen and and kelvin i don't mean to throw you under the bus there i used to be you know until the last few months i was also drinking about a pot of coffee a day and um I had other considerations yeah, that say, you got motivations to. Yeah, other I had other considerations that made me cut back, and now I'm typically drinking a cup of tea a day, and then every third or fourth day I'll add a cup of coffee, and I find myself very, very creative and productive on the coffee. So I tend to have it on days like this when we have a call, mm-hmm. um, so that you know I'm. You know, I've done things like, oh, hey, you know, but this is only recently that I've said, oh, if I have a cup of coffee today, I'm going to do this and this and this and this uh, and you know, allow my other days to be a little less <laughs> crazy, um, you know, for those other health considerations. But but I mean, Kelvin, you, you visited us uh you know, here about a year and a half ago now. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and even, even with the fact that we were out of the house, you know, six hours a day, we were, we were drinking two to three pots of coffee a day between the two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Started for me in the military. I blame it on the government. A lot of military, my dad used to be in the military. He was, actually wasn't a coffee drinker, but a lot of military people that I know, big coffee yeah. drinkers. So I know that, I know that cultural so, so sometimes it is cultural coffee, now you do you drink no you where you're fasting right now when you're not fasting what kind of how much coffee you drink i usually have a cup and a half maybe a day <laughs> some, days, some days not really i don't have it but yeah oh man paul delima loves me because i stay stuck <laughs> but i just that, you know but i do enjoy it i, I definitely do but I think I'm aware and I want to remain sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. So I try not to, you know, overconsume it. And then I know that, you know, again, it tends to affect women a little bit more um, in terms of kind of that half-life being a little bit longer. And so, yeah, I just try to make sure that I'm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So sleep, we apparently need sleep. You're the expert. So for those of us who, think and you may have answered this partially already for those of us who 
well, maybe we want to try this more sleep thing. Um, knowing that everything we do in life is a habit. So what would you suggest on, you know, trying to slow down our busy lives when we have things going on every second and, um, and getting more actual sleep to see I really, if it's going to do any good. Cause I, like I said, I, w- I go to sleep, I wake up, mm-hmm. go. Yeah. So first let me talk about, you said two things. I'll come back to your thing and I'll come back to Josh's, but first you said you, you hit, you know, you, you go to sleep quickly. That going to sleep quickly can sometimes be a disorder. So literally like if you're one of those people that your head hits the pillow and you're out cold, that's probably borderline disorder, right? To, you know, like I'm not a doctor, but you should really kind of fall asleep. That's why we call it falling asleep or descending into sleep. I like to call it. You shouldn't have your head hit the pillow and then you immediately be snoring. No, no. So, so yeah. Ten so, minutes. But ten okay, minutes. Ten minutes I mean, is ten, fine. That's perfect. Ten minutes. I don't, um, even I don't. five minutes, but just like not literally head hits the pillow and totally out. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I calm down into it. It's not like yes, I'm exhausted. exactly the perfect. That's what I meant. So yeah, yeah. that's that that's perfect. Um, and that's what I try to recommend to people. I'm like, give yourself an environment and a habit and a routine where you can get everything set up, get your pre bed routine down get your environment set up and then let yourself descend into sleep. Um, sometimes people will need help with that. And so I give them tools, but really it's, it's things like making sure you have the appropriate level of darkness. Um, people often say, Oh, but the light doesn't bother me. Well, it actually tells your brain <laughs> things that don't necessarily bother you. Right? So for example, even my alarm clock, I have it on the dimmest setting, but I keep a bandana over it. So I don't even want the light from my alarm clock oh, shining really? near me. Yeah. I just no. Um, so having enough darkness, temperature is very important because you don't, your body temperature is going to go down while you're asleep and you want it, you want it to be relatively cool. You don't want your body temperature to be high, which is why I always tell people don't do an intense workout before you go to sleep. Um, if you're one of those people that gets truly warmed up by a shower, be careful about the temperature of your shower. If you're taking it before bed, um, you definitely want your body to be cooling. You don't want to be doing, they're going to bring your body temperature up because if your body temperature is raised, then you're not going to sleep as deeply. So those things are good. Uh, Um, I'm also also the last remaining man on the planet. I think that actually has a, a a full wave waterbed. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That is impressive. (laughs) I feel like I stepped back into, I don't know. Yeah, I'm old fashioned. I don't, I don't, I don't go to the new stuff, you know. And I, I, I'm like, I want to get rid of it, but you know, especially in upstate New York, oh, waterbed, you know, climbing to a waterbed, it's wonderful, wonderful. That may be why I'm not married now, because I don't need one when you got a waterbed. You know what I'm saying? Um, But I realize that I am an anomaly, okay? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay, the expert's like, yes, you are weird. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to get rid of that eventually, but I'm like scared now because my body likes that. Yeah, yeah you're, you're well used to it, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But again, and that, but you raise an interesting point, though, and that's sometimes tricky when you have a bed partner, but it's you know, you've got to find that firmness or temperature or whatever that works for you. And sometimes, mm-hmm. sadly, that varies. So when you have a bed partner, those are things that you need to kind of 
concern yourself with. Like, do I need a fan and they need an extra layer or? Oh, that's been so many fights. uh, Yeah. (laughs) You kind of have to figure out what's going to be best for your sleep there and then figure out how to make it work for both of you. Mm -hmm. So. That's that's really really important. The bed yeah, part. Separate houses seem to work for me. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people don't want to go quite that extreme. But I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, I got to work on that, I guess. <laughs> but but that's an interesting point, and also a point along the spectrum of what can happen, though. So my husband, for decades, has been a snorer, and for years and years, I have slept with earplugs because of it. And finally, I just, you know, as I did more study, I said, okay, time out. You need a sleep study. We need to figure out, you know, what is going to be the tool to kind of help you with this because it's not good for you. It's disturbing my sleep, you know, et cetera. And so he ended up having sleep apnea, a moderate level of sleep apnea. And so he has a CPAP, et cetera. And but that's, it's, I think so many people think, oh, well, it's just, you know, they snore or I snore and I'm just going to deal with it. But that is literally impacting your sleep, it is impact, impacting your blood oxygen level, it's impacting your blood pressure, it's impacting your ability to get in deeper phases of sleep. I mean, that is a, a huge, huge issue. I mean, there are about, I mean, the number varies, but on average, about 9 million Americans who have undiagnosed sleep apnea, they, they, they estimate. And that is huge. I mean, again, you, I don't know if you know what happens in sleep apnea. Does everybody know what happens? Uh, yeah. Well, from what I understand, you, you stop breathing and then you wake up fast. Mm-hmm. I've, I've yeah. got so, a couple of friends with sleep apnea yeah. who have CPAPs and stuff, and they're still mm-hmm. unable to sleep w- even with those devices. So, but go ahead and tell us what exactly sleep apnea is. So. Yeah. So, so there's things called hypopneas and apneas. Hypopnea means there's a partial reduction in oxygen um, and an apnea is actually a pause in your breathing on average it's about 10 to 30 seconds and so when you get a sleep study they measure how many apneas and hypopneas you have in a particular period of time and based on that they give you a rating and they say okay you're either mild moderate or severe apnea and then you know they recommend either conservative methods or, you know, to the CPAP. Um, I do know that it's a common problem to get the the CPAP machine to either fit well or allow you to sleep in your primary sleep position. So a lot of times if you're, you know, a side sleeper or definitely if you're a stomach sleeper, like that's just not going to work, right? Um, so I do know that there are times when you have you know people who have a hard time getting the right fit or the right comfort you know etc so i know that's a challenge but it really is important to try to kind of go down that path if, if you truly do have sleep apnea because there's again lots of um inherited brain, impaired brain function if you're if you're not breathing for periods of your night so mm. yeah mm-hmm. but i want to come back to one question that josh asked so about the what you intake one of the um things that's important. So we talked about caffeine, we talked a little bit about alcohol, but there's a lot of people who take sleep aids mm-hmm. and there's a spectrum of them. There's like the melatonin, there's the OTC melatonin, there's the prescription, there's all sorts of like, you know, drugs, benzodiazepines, all sorts of things. People need to be careful with that. Um, let's talk about melatonin. Most of the over the counter melatonin is sold in overdose quantities, meaning it is more 
then you should you would be prescribed to take. So over-the-counter melatonin, you'll see 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams. Really, melatonin prescription strength that you should be given is somewhere in the three to five milligram range. So if you're taking that 10 to 20 milligrams, that is not good. <laughs> um, and so we really want to think about, well, what are ways that I can naturally have my melatonin production <laughs> where it should be? Because that's really what you know, the body was designed to do, right? So for things like that, it's making sure you get proper sunlight, making sure that you are, you know, again, Josh has a unique case, but making sure that you're getting the right type of light at the right time of day. So trying not to be on your computer late at night, especially not right before you're about to sleep if you are having the blue blockers on. But you want to give your body the best opportunity to do what it needs to do with melatonin and serotonin production so that you sleep naturally. But when you start to kind of take this over the counter, people often think, oh, well, that's just my solution. I just take this over the counter. I'm like, well, that's an overdose quantity, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, the effectiveness over time is probably going to be reduced. And I've had so many people tell me, oh, yeah, it used to work for me and now it doesn't. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, you were flooding your body with melatonin, too much melatonin, and so then it, now it's no longer effective. So um, what, what exactly does melatonin do? What it? it signals your body that it's, it's basically time to wind down, so it makes you sleepy. And this is a – and really it's a hormone that you make, correct? You make so, it, um, yeah. So if you, take, if you take a supplement and then you wind up taking too much of it, does your body just stop making it on its own? There can be, you know, impaired, and I'm not a doctor, but there can be impaired production for your body, you're correct. But what typically happens is that you're getting into a situation where you're so groggy. Okay, we're getting it. I don't know if it's headphone position or something. We're getting a really oh. intense uh, kind of a beep that's drowning you out. Um, can you hear so me now better? Try it again. Yeah. Right. I wonder if it is the power supply. I don't get is that better? Just go ahead and... Okay. Yeah, just go ahead and... Okay. Oh, talk so, to Cole, Camille. Okay. Melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, when people are over-the-counter melatonin, they're going to be groggy when they wake up because you have a natural cycle of it. It's not as if your body starts to produce it and then it stays at that consistent level all night. Well, through the night, it comes back down, right? And then your cortisol is going to come up you're going to wake up and typically that should happen naturally, you know, with the sun cycle, with your normal body clock, which by the way, your body clock is not exactly 24 hours. Um, you just kind of start regulate it with the, the day clock. Um, so you want to just make sure that you're letting your body manage those regulations without artificially increasing one or the other. And like I said, most people will say over time, the effectiveness of it decreases and they're back where they were with their insomnia or whatever, what have you. So, and how about those more, how about the, the deeper sleep, we'll call them sleep aids, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is also a slippery soap. So usually what happens with those is that, again, over time, the defective, the effectiveness will start to decrease, the dosage will have to be increased, and typically those drugs, the way they work in the brain, they help you fall asleep, but they necessarily help you stay asleep, nor do they necessarily help you get the best sleep, right? So you're not necessarily getting restorative sleep, but you'll fall asleep, right? And so a lot of times on those, people will say, hey, you know, it, it knocks me out, and then it stopped knocking me out, and then now it's I'm waking up. And so, again, you want to do as much as you can to naturally 
support your sleep and to give yourself, you know, the best situation to sleep in. And then if you need to use aids in temporary doses, but people often will get on them and, and they'll be on them for years and years and years. And I'm thinking, and then your doses are going up and then they're not effective. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's a slippery slope. But if, if, a, if you have a doctor who is prescribing them, hopefully they're giving you that education and hopefully they're, they're trying to tell you that, hey, I'm going to give you this as a fix for your problem that you're in right now, but let's not have you on them forever. So, yeah. We will see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, but, but, you is... know, follow the money, right? Because what? <laughs> there's like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's one of the most true things people. I've ever heard said in life. Yeah, I mean, there's like money. millions, millions. Wonderful. I don't know. I forget the last numbers I saw, but let's just say it's somewhere on the order of 10 to 12 million people, I think, that take some sort of prescription sleep aid. I mean, it's staggering. That's a lot. A lot of money. Yeah. And then yeah, again, if they think yeah. you're going to be on them forever, <laughs> then that's, again, it's a nice little annuity. I mean, there's a meds they put you on forever anyway. Oh, you can never stop taking this. That's a whole, <laughs> right. that's another podcast. That's another podcast. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but, uh, right. oh, gosh, do I have any more questions? I think I'm, I think that's set. Uh, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. So <laughs> my case so, is I just got to find out if I'm really sleeping naturally or, or if I'm, I don't, I don't. And that means, uh, write my my daily motivational like a long time ahead of time so i don't have to worry about it for three or four days and then just like go to bed at some ridiculously early hour like 11 o'clock or something which i that would I be awesome it's almost like not possible <laughs> but, but, I, but i wake up at three o'clock right that's the- so what i usually tell people when they're trying to adjust their sleep hours uh-huh. you know, like, we talked about that a little bit but make a couple points there you can't do it kind of like ripping the Band-Aid off style. Usually that doesn't work and you just kind of fall back to whatever your habit was. So you want to step into it literally 15 minutes at a time. So if you're, st- you're going to sleep at 3 and your goal is 11, you want to give yourself 15-minute step in over the course. Of, and really that 15-minute step in, like make that one change for a week. Then the next week, add another 15 minutes. And the next week, add- so it's going to take you a while to make that transition um, but it, but it's worth it because truly all sleep hours are not created equal either. So we said not all sleep is created equal, obviously, because some is good and some is not deep enough. The hours that you sleep, let's say you sleep seven hours, the hours that you're asleep matter. Sleep from 1 a.m. to 8 a.m. is not equivalent to, as sleep, you know, from 10 to 5. That's not equivalent sleep. And actually any hour of sleep that you get before midnight is really worth two in terms of restorative function. So it's really a good idea. I know, Josh, you have an I, odd case. I don't understand. Um, but so <laughs> say that again now. The, pro- the actual brain processing restoration is better if you sleep, say, from 10 to 5, if you were to sleep from 1 a.m. to 8 a.m. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of studies around like depth of the sleep, quality of the sleep, length of time and the phases that you need to be in, those deeper phases being in them longer um, f- because it's very tied to the day clock and your circadian rhythm, right? So again, if you're, if you're someone who has off schedule, you need to as much as possible try to replicate the light cycles, 
the temperature change, et cetera, of a regular AM to PM day so that you can have those situations where you're getting the best sleep and making sure that you're hitting those windows of time. So I always tell people, if there are four hours that you want to be asleep, 10 to 2 are those four hours, right? Um, and I know that's tough for a lot of people because culturally they're people who stay up, excuse me, or by habit, they're people who stay up late. But, you know, if you can back that up, I know. It hmm. sounds like you're many, many decades, I guess, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by habit, you stay up late. <laughs> but yeah, we can never be friends after like 9 o'clock because I'll be going to bed and you'd be like, I'm hitting my second wind. Oh, that's another point. When you feel tired, mm-hmm. even if it's outside of your normal sleep time, so if it's a late evening or what have you, if you can, go to sleep then. Because if you hit that second wind, it's going to be harder for you to go to sleep. So like, for example, when the time changes and it gets a little darker, and maybe you start to get sleepy at, I don't know, 10 instead of midnight, go with that first instinct of your body to feel tired and go to sleep. Because if you push through to midnight, it's likely that you're going to push that going to sleep even later. And that's not good, right? So I always say, don't don't get your second wind. Go yeah, that whole that whole time change thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I seem to have more trouble with it one way than than the other. So what? Um, I've heard stories about how how that actually messes us up for sleep and stuff. So what's your your take on when we actually have the time change and we have to readjust to to sleep hours and stuff? I tell people to step <clears throat> in, and when my kids even were younger. I would step them into it. So over the course of a week or so, I would do that 15-minute step forward or step back. And so even as adults, we can do that. Hmm. So you know when it's coming, right? It's not like usually it doesn't sneak up on us. We know that October, you know, we're going to fall back, you know. So and what is it, like March, April, when we spring forward? Somewhere so, um, See, you don't know what it is either. <laughs> well, it varies. It varies a little bit. The well, they advertise it. You know, we can look late at Late October. <laughs> Google everything. When does time change? Well, start putting that in your calendar. (laughs) So you know it's coming. And heck, I think even Google Calendar puts it in there for you, right? So (laughs) could be. Let me look at it. So you can actually just face it in a week ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And when my kids, like I said, were when they were really young, um, they're like seven and nine now. But when they were babies and toddlers, I would literally step them into it to just make sure I didn't have a fiasco on my hands. Um, Cool. Wow. So uh, I'm going to ask you about mornings in a minute, but first I want to hear what you would suggest if ideally, what would be the ideal last hour, 90 minutes of the day for optimal sleep? So ideal would be you're not eating in that window. Ideal. I know that's not always what people can do. So let's just take that 90 minute window. You're not eating in that window, hopefully. Um, if you had a drink in the evening, hopefully you're finished consuming it. So you're not consuming right up to, I don't know why I've got this crazy glare. Um, you're not consuming your drink right up until sleep. Um, definitely at the 90 minute mark, but def- by sh- positively by the hour mark, turning off devices, right? I know that's really hard. I know that we have the ability to, to dial down the blue light. I actually have a little plug on my computer that um, starts to adjust the blue light for me. It's called Get Flux. Okay, yeah, Flux. I use the same thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. Um, so either dialing down the blue light or actually turning off all devices and then giving yourself a sleep routine. I mean, again, I'll take it back to, to kids because I work with parents and I am a parent. 
you know that when you're preparing a child for sleep, it's like, okay, they've got to have their bath. And then, you know, they're going to brush their teeth. And then there's a story and there's this wind down period. And then, you know, they go to sleep. And so I like to give people, you know, a, a, a scenario like that. Again, sometimes people can't do the 90 minutes. Sometimes people can't do the hour, but 30 minutes, surely you can start preparing for bed 30 minutes, right? So get your temperature right, get your darkness. Um, I do do natural sleep aids um, that I that I suggest for people. And I tell them, okay, if you're going to use those, start to use those about 20 minutes before. Um, and then, you know, you're doing your, you're brushing your teeth or whatever. And then I have people do some sort of either brain dump or gratitude exercise. So oftentimes people will tell me, oh, I can't go to sleep because my mind is racing. Awesome. Write it all down. <laughs> Write it all down by your bedside with a pen and a paper not any electronic device so that you've purged your mind of all those things that you either forgot to do, need to do, whatever. It's not on your mind. And when you get up in the morning, you can go, you know, put that on your to-do list or whatever, put it in your computer, but you purged it, right? So you've dumped all that and then just take a few minutes for gratitude. Um, if you want to read, read on paper, which again, I know is hard for people because they like to use their, you know, electronic readers but yeah if you're going to read read something off of paper and reading then an ipad late at night is is bad for you because sometimes so you're bad oh that corner it's really painful <laughs> it's it's not just the screen it's bad it's the gravity i'm like you know so when the, when the ipad falls onto my face i know it's time i can really go um and then it bounces off of the wave you know, of your bed, right? Yeah, off yeah. <laughs> skimming, skimming, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, Calvin, you've seen some of the books I read, so I, I have that same problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but oh, I mean, again, goodness. I love e book too. I just, I don't read them before bed, but I, yeah. So anyway. Fan. I'm a big audiobook fan too, so. Yeah. Start. I'm, I've started that lately, just because I've, I used to drive a lot, so that's that's when I get my books, and that's how I listen to Mel. Last time I went to visit my family, Mel Robbins and the Five Second Rule. I, I did that for that was a that was a good six. That was a she she has energy. <laughs> I love that book. I love it, and I have it on audiobook too. I've listened to so, it twice. I love that book. It's a great book. All right. Um. All right. Gee. So what yeah. other bad habits do I have that's affecting my sleep that I don't know and won't don't want to admit? Um, Using um, which one of you talked about? Oh, it was Josh. You it was you about the exercise. Exercise is great, and it can actually, if you do it ideally earlier in the day, um, it'll help you with that circadian clock and preparing for later. And again, your day is shifted, but again, earlier in your yeah, it's, I, I normally get to my exercise within an hour and a half of my waking up. It's, okay, it's, yeah. It's the first right. thing in my calendar every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's good. So that can help you prepare for sleep later. So like I always tell people, you know, part, part of preparing for sleep starts when you wake up, you know, so it's the coffee habits, it's the nutrition, it's the how you're managing your mood. And obviously because stress and sleep are so intimately related. Um, so mood management is huge for sleep management. Um, and then pain and inflammation, which we didn't really talk about. Um, but a lot of people who have chronic pain, obviously it impacts their sleep. So just kind of figuring out ways that you can deal with that too. So. Okay. And the other thing I was going to ask you about was mornings. Um, you said, you, you actually just said, you start preparing for sleep as soon as you wake up. Um, you, know, you just mentioned exercise and, and handle your caffeine in the morning. Uh, anything else that you 
suggests, you know, upon waking to, you know, to a bring you out of sleep. I mean, I know a lot of people, you know, I guess I, I don't typically wake up to an alarm, but a lot of people start their day with, ang, 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 um, which I can't imagine is awesome. Um, <laughs> it's not ideal. Um, technically speaking, there's um, some disagreements in kind of the sleep community community about this, but generally speaking, people will say, if you use an alarm clock and you woke up by it, then you already started your day in a sleep debt because you're supposed to sleep until you're ready to wake up, right? Um, so I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but I know personally I set a clock, but most of the times I'm awake a few minutes before the clock okay. goes off. So, so technically speaking, I kind of you know fall into that camp, I guess, even though I'm still setting it. Um, well, my so, question in that is, is that the is that the sleep pattern, or is that just because your brain knows the clock's going to go off and you want to come before that? You know, um, I think it's just that you dial in kind of what your sleep hours are, at least for me. And so then, yeah, my body says, "Hey, we're awake," and and it's not like I'm I'm dreading the clock. It's that okay, my brain is already I'm awake. I'm starting to you know process and what have you. But I like to literally go into you know so get up, go to the restroom, um, do some sort of mental practice no device immediately um you know i personally uh don't i'm not a big eater in the morning so i start my my mental practice you know my exercise and then kind of start the rest of my day like it might at that point after i've been up for i don't know 45 minutes or so maybe an hour then i might get to some electronics and what have you but i but i don't usually eat first thing um that's not necessarily bad uh, it's just my choice but but i like to have that kind of mental practice exercise kind of ramping up period if you will um so yeah i keep telling myself i'm going to meditate first thing in the morning it's it slips uh, yeah that's a common uh, one but it's i i find that i like to tell people do your work in before you work out into the world be that exercise or external work (laughs) um so yeah i personally recommend that okay it kind of lets you feel like you're old as opposed to feeling like, okay, now I'm letting all these external forces start yeah, defining my day yeah, for me. Control. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. When I've, when I've been able to do that, it, it does feel, it, you do feel more prepared for the day. And so mentally you're in a better place when you start stuff rather than just start, you know, ducking and dodging, you know, right. problems, you know, right away. So yeah. <clears> and course, I, I always say, that, you know, mood management is stress management and i feel like if you feel like you're in control of how your day starts and you're you're setting your mood consciously first mm-hmm. then it i feel like it almost gives you a little bit of armor <laughs> for when you start encountering <laughs> everybody else <laughs> and their moods <laughs> yeah. so but you know mood management throughout the day is also important which i also talk about but yeah that's, I'm wondering. I don't yeah. know if Josh has got one of these, but I'm gonna I'm ask it. If you had, uh, with all the stuff that we've talked about with sleep and management and mental health and and all the things that you do, because you're are you an energy worker also? Not in the purest sense. Okay. Um, but I do do what I call natural medicine, and then I like to tell people that you can find a customized set of mind body practices that work for you. Mm-hmm. So, and some I recommend and. So if you had had one thing that you were going to tell our audience 
that was as far as sleep and mind is concerned. The most important thing you can think of, you know, you really need to think about this. What would that thing be? I would say figure out your unique sleep need. So that three-day process that we talked about. And then once you figure it out, be very diligent about it. Like make breaking it the exception, not the rule. And if you can, try to make sure you're asleep at least one hour before midnight, if not two, um, to give yourself the best long-term benefits of sleep. It may have to I know. I'm hardcore. <laughs> that, that's a new resolution, Josh. You might have to go back <laughs> and do that podcast. Yeah, right. yeah it's so, funny. People will try to start texting me or whatever. Oh, and I put like I put my phone on Do Not Disturb and People look to me at 9.30, I'm thinking, I was already in the bed. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> missed it, missed it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. But yeah, that's another thing. Like, be very diligent about your devices. Um, you know, some people like Mel talked about not having it in your room. I have it across the way from me. It's on do not disturb and silent. So no sounds and vibrations will come out of it while I'm asleep. Um and then I don't turn off the do not disturb in the silent until I've done that first part of my day practice, right? Where I've done my mental practice. So yeah, I'm the same way. As soon as like, as yeah. soon as I'm clear of any time, my boss might text me at night, uh, even if I'm still working. It goes on do not disturb, and it comes off do not disturb after I've done my exercise and had my breakfast, and um, and then it's back on do not disturb when I go back to sleep in the afternoon. Yeah, that's key. I, uh, I, mine, I actually put on the do not disturb, uh, probably about 11 o'clock at night, just so I'm not, I'm not looking at it, but I mean, that doesn't mean, I mean, I stay, I still stay up till three and it comes off normally about a half hour after I figure I'm going to be awake, which is about eight 30 in the morning. But sometimes I forget and my sisters get to talking early texting in Maryland. I'm like, okay, so I haven't learned that whole do not alert me to these bantering women arm <laughs> thing in the, in the thing. But, so that's, that's very good. I think this, this has been very helpful. This very, very helpful. Well, I hope it's helpful. Um, it has. Camille, where would you like people to connect with you? You know, so if somebody wants to just get a sense for whether they have sleep or stress issues I always like to have people start with an assessment so I have if you go to meetwithcamille.com it's it's really my scheduling surface where you can schedule a variety of meetings with me but they can schedule a free consultation and in that link it'll share a hyperlink to a sleep and stress assessment so they do the assessment I get an email notification I can let them know that I received it and then if they would like to schedule with me they can so that's one thing and then also I have just a really sleep one sheet top things that you should do to manage your sleep. And it's called, um, if you go to freesleepguide.com, they can just sign up to get that quick and dirty bullet point list of sleep recommendations. So yeah. And it covers everything. It covers, you know, sleep environment, body stuff, AIDS. Um, if you have pain, that sort of stuff. So it's just a little quick and dirty guide. Cool. How about social? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, so my website is CamilleNisich.com. That's my mm-hmm. just blog and everything. And then Facebook, it's CamilleNisich1 is my page. And Twitter, CamilleNisich. So I'm pretty easy to find. <laughs> Mostly Camille. And we'll have all your, we'll have all your yeah. info at uh, 
on the show notes for the episode. Too. Excellent. So, yeah. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, gentlemen. If I can help you with your sleep or anything else in the future, please let me know. I'll take a look at my habits and see if I need some intervention here. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's what you said on the first. That's what you said on the first call, right? Oh, I hear to see some intervention here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm happy to help with interventions. <laughs> see how that works. All right. So anyway, All right. thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you take so care. much for being here. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye bye. I guess they don't. I, I guess they don't realize we stay on after we daily. Now let's talk about it and put this on a podcast. Now, wasn't that awesome? That was awesome. <clears throat> All right. So, you changing any habits immediately after hearing that? I guess as long as we're still, you know, recording and. Oh, you want me to say? You want me, you want me to you want me to say something for the crowd? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Um. I I don't know. I might look at that. You know, I've often thought what I have noticed, you know, because I do my vitamin K's every morning and stuff, that if I have done those ahead of time, that I am more apt to sleep earlier uh, uh, by a couple hours anyway, but not normally before midnight. So I'm I'm going to have to think about it. There might be something I change. Maybe I'll I'll try that little earlier thing and see. Or actually, I think what I'm more going to do is just log what my actual sleep pattern is. I mean, just write it down so I can look at it when I when I when I when I lay down and go to sleep. When I wake up the next morning, just just to know what those are first of all, and then maybe note uh, you know how I feel if I'm groggy or sluggish or you know anything like that. But uh, and then we'll see, because like you know, I feel fine, but you know, maybe I'm just telling myself I'll feel fine because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> you know? How about you? Yeah. Um, well, I need to work on light um, because you know I usually take my afternoon nap in the in the second bedroom, which is darker mm-hmm. um, than in the master bedroom. Uh, you know, I do sleep in a room with kind of, I mean, they're heavy curtains, but they're lighter colored and, uh, there's a street lamp that, that pours straight in. So, um, it is not super dark. You know, I, uh, we do have a, an alarm clock in the room. Uh, it's dim and green. So I, I'm going to, I might consider a sleep mask Mm -hmm. um and you know i know i have to i have to be pretty picky about them because i know that um you know they can they can be disruptive if they if they're uncomfortable a sleep mask you mean yeah like something that goes like a like a blindfold kind of deal um (laughs) make it feel like you're in that uh that that float tank yeah yeah (laughs) Uh. yeah well interesting I don't know. I'll let you know. We'll report back. Yeah. So, um, I guess this, uh, if you're listening to this the day it came out, it's on Christmas. So, so Merry Christmas. And, uh, thank you for being here, Kelvin. Thank you for being here. Um, thank you, Audible. 
Uh, thank you, everybody, for another great year, because our next episode comes out on January 1 of 2018. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. Oh, show notes. Show notes. Connect with Camille. All that links will be at jkwdpodcast.com. This is episode 81. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening to show notes and more at JKWD.